How many know why? What happened one year ago today? Almost changed the history of the world. I had a heart attack. I, I almost died. So for those of you who are new, <laughs> we're here a year ago. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> now a year ago today, I was out riding my bicycle and had a massive heart attack. Um, but it wasn't my time to go. Uh, every doctor still says, says it's amazing that I survived. And not only did I survive, but there's no heart damage whatsoever. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Uh, and... Uh, just lowered. I'm still on some medications. They, you know, they keep you on medications uh, mandatory for a year. And I'm, but we're cutting back because, like, my blood pressure is really low. And I'm like, I'm like, can I just get off this medicine? And they're like, oh, he's kind of nervous. So I'm believing within a few months, hopefully, if, if all the numbers stay good within a few months, I'll be off all the medication. So praise God. Yeah, very good. <laughs> happy about that. Happy to still be alive. Although if I was in heaven, I'd be happier. <laughs> But I lived just so I could teach this series. You know? So you better pay attention. <laughs> All right. So we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. We're taking our time, as you well know. And um, uh, we got through chapter uh, 5. There's still two more chapters in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 6 and 7. And we're going to start 6 this morning. I'm going to begin by reading verses 1 through 4 in the NIV. It says, please, it doesn't say please. It says, be careful not to... Do, Sorry. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have, their, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees uh, what is done in secret will reward you. <clears throat> All right. So Jesus is making a transition. <clears throat> the previous portion of the sermon was talking about ethics and ideas. Uh, Erdman's puts it this way. The last section has been mainly dealing with the teachings of the scribes. This section deals with the practices of the Pharisees. <clears throat> so Jesus is uh, changing his focus from ideas and teachings, and that was uh, characterized by, you have heard that it was said of old, but I say unto you. So we just went through a whole series of those. But now he's kind of zeroing in on practices or acts, at which uh, he kind of turns his attention to some of the things that the Pharisees were more known for. Uh, we often say Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, right? That's something we say. And, and you know what? It's true. It expresses a truth, but it's not fully true. In fact, I have a friend who's an atheist. And every time he hears that, it just drives him crazy. Because he's like, what are you talking about? It is a religion. You know? And, and uh, what we mean is that Christianity is void if it is only empty ritual. And that's what we're thinking, that if it's empty ritual or practices apart from real relationship with God uh, through Jesus Christ, it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean anything. And so we're kind of differentiating 
were trying to communicate to those who looked to, as, at Christianity as just a formal uh, religious system and, and the idea that you can gain access or, or favor with God by performing these religious acts and duties. And the whole idea is that Christianity is not a religion, is to kind of help people caught in that trap. But guess what? Most people in the world today aren't caught in that trap because they're not religious at all. Right? So they're not adhering to a form of religion because they're, they're just completely living in a, a worldly lifestyle. So when you say Christianity isn't a religion to someone who doesn't know anything about religion, it doesn't make sense. Does that, does that help? <clears throat> the reason I'm saying this is that um, we, it's true that if, if, you know, Christianity is about relationship, not just a religion, but we err if we think we can do without the religious aspects of Christianity. If we get to the place where we, we think that Christianity doesn't have anything that is religion, we can actually make an equal and opposite mistake. And in fact, <clears throat> right now, in Western civilization, amongst Christians, it's happening in mass. Okay? And even leaders within the Christian church are rejecting things that are actually very good and, and necessary in order to maintain uh, a genuine faith and, and, and live a Christian life. They're, they're rejecting things like church <clears throat> because they, they, they so are uh, opposed to anything that looks religious. That they, they say, you know, you don't even, even going to church isn't good because it's just, it's just a form of religion. And, and reading the Bible is just a form of religion. And, and everything is to the point, uh, it's actually to the point where um, people don't believe that you have to do anything other than accept, okay, this idea that Jesus died for your cross and you're going to go to heaven, that's all it takes. And anything beyond that is just religion. So, so there's an error in both ways. Christianity is a religion. There's nothing wrong with religion, okay? And that it, it is a set of practices. Let me just give you an example. <clears throat> this morning you came in and for about 30 minutes you stood with a whole bunch of people, some of them you know, some of them you don't, and you sang songs that some of you had never heard before. So where else do you do that? A concert? No, in a concert, you sit there and other people sing songs. You listen. You, know, you pay money to get in and hear people perform. Here, it's all about you singing together. When you go to a business meeting, they don't stand up at the beginning of work. And, okay, let's take out the guitar. Who's got the guitar this morning? Sing. You know, unless you work for that one company, uh, Avon, right? No. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. Uh, all right. Uh, so that, that's, that's worship. You know? And once you know, an, a non-Christian, someone who is, who is second or third generation separated from, from uh, a real relationship with God or experience with God, they come into church. One of the hardest things for new people is, is this whole standing up and singing songs out loud because it's weird. I like it too, but we like it because we've been brought up because I've been doing it for 30 years. And even when I was a kid, I did it, even though I didn't know it was just part of our culture. I was a Lutheran. We stood up and sat down and stood up and sat down. <laughs> All right. But for a non-Christian, they don't understand what the deal is going And at some point, it is powerful for them to see other people enter into worship. And at some point, they experience, oh, wow, I just felt something. What was that? Then they taste and see. That the Lord is, so it, it, it is a avenue. So that's just, an, that's just a religious thing. Another thing, you know, you're coming and listening to some, some old guy with gray hair who had a heart attack wearing a yellow shirt talking about the Bible. 
It's a good thing. <laughs> okay, so Jesus does not condemn or do away with religious acts, but he challenges the why and how these acts are done. Why we do it, how we do it. This verse, verse 1, we read from three different translations. NIV again says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I really like the NIV on this verse because of the way they put acts of righteousness in the hyphen. And they set that apart because <clears throat> in the original, what Jesus is continuing the conversation, not the conversation, the, the sermon, there, in the original language, there are not verses and there are not chapter divisions. And so when chapter 5 ends and chapter starts 6, Jesus didn't stop in his talk. And it was written as, a, as one continuous whole. And so he's continuing talking about righteousness, the righteousness that we just took months to talk about and, and the whole chapter 5 talking about the righteousness of the kingdom, and now he's talking about acts of righteousness. So when you, when you take that righteousness we discussed, kingdom righteousness, um, and, and put them to acts. And so that, that's what he's talking about here. From the, from the message, it says, Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. <clears throat> it might be good theater, but God who made you won't be applauding. Okay. That message always has a little... Zing there. <laughs> ESV is the ver version I've been reading lately. I've kind of been won over by it. Uh, English Standard Version says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father <clears throat> who is in heaven. And get another thing, as we're going through this, I'm trying to teach different principles that I use to get things out of Scripture, how to, how to dig truths out and just reading from multiple translations is a great way you'll see something in one translation that you didn't get in in the other and i have like i have like at least 20 different translations that i regularly refer to so this verse <clears throat> verse one is actually a section heading I talked earlier there are different section headings um matthew who wrote the book and Jesus, as he's teaching it, is kind of transitioning to a different topic. And so this is a section heading uh, or an introduction of an idea that Jesus then elaborates on and gives specific examples uh, in the following verses. <clears throat> Erdman's puts it this way. Erdman's Bible commentary says, Verses 2 through 4 deal with charitable giving, which is the obligation towards men. All right righteous acts that are obligated towards men. Verses 5 through 15 deal with prayer, which can be seen as obligation towards God. And verses 16 through 18 <clears throat> deal with fasting, which is an obligation toward oneself. So we're going to be looking at charitable giving today. We're going to be looking at prayer over, over the next uh, uh, few messages. And then we're going to be looking at fasting because all of those are, are things that Jesus is turning his attention and talking about. Charitable giving, prayer, and fasting were and are still today the most prominent practical requirements for personal piety in mainstream Judaism, according to Francis, a commentator on this verse. In other words, in the Jewish religion, <clears throat> and so when Jesus used these three areas to talk about acts of righteousness, he wasn't randomly picking 
three things that uh, religious people do, he was talking about the three most important things. That if you were a practicing Jew uh, in Jesus' day, and even till today, these are the most important acts. that you're, These are the things you're supposed to be doing if you're faithful. Uh, so Jesus talks about these to explain how we are to do these acts in the kingdom as disciples, as Christ followers. How are they going to look and, and how, how do we approach these issues as disciples of Jesus Christ in the kingdom instead of under the law, uh, instead of as Gentiles separated from God? How do we uh, do these things as believers in relationship with the Father? So Jesus is addressing the what, the how, and why of personal piety about our religious activities. Okay, it shows, and Erdman says that it shows that the motive is what counts in religious observance as well as in morals. The previous section, when it says, you've heard it was said of old, don't do this, but I say, you know, you know don't, don't uh, uh, murder, but I say unto you, don't, you know, hate. And, and so Jesus took it from Acts and brought it into uh, motive, the area of motive. And so in the area of, of our morality and our ethics, the motive is important. It all, he continues that. And that same idea into the motive of our acts as well as our morals. It is what determines whether it's righteous or not. Let me just read it. It shows that the motive is what counts in religious observances as well as in morals. It demonstrates that these must be undertaken in the spirit of sonship. All right? And so this idea of that what we do must come out of or be participated in in the spirit of sonship. We're going to be talking about it. Yeah. Uh, the truth applies, this truth applies not only to charitable giving, which is what we're going to be talking about today, and prayer and fasting, but to all religious practices. Okay? Everything that's associated with being uh, a Christian and living out the, a life as Christians, as, as disciples, as Christ followers, as someone in relationship uh, with God. It really applies to all of our living, whether it's uh, sacred or secular. <clears throat> so, but uh, these truths apply to you know, how we worship, uh, the, what we did this morning, how we sing songs, what, how, how, you know, what's the motive behind that, how, how and why we read the Bible, uh, life groups, serving, evangelism, all of it. Because all of those things are acts of righteousness. All of those things are displays or, 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 the, or, or the produce, if you will, of, of righteousness. And righteousness is being in right relationship with God. Okay, so Jesus says the improper motive is to be seen by others. That's what we don't want to do, right? Uh, the message puts a, a performance. And uh, uh, now it doesn't mean that it can't be seen. And this is one of the things, if you, if you say, if, I, I don't think I have a lot of pet peeves, but this might be one of them, <laughs> is uh, some Christians think that they, you know, if, if, they, if, they're, if what they do is seen or acknowledged, then it's wrong. You know, it doesn't mean that uh, what we do should not be seen. Because remember, just a few verses earlier, and if you were listening to Jesus, he would have just said a few minutes earlier, let your light so shine before men 
that they may see whose good works? Your good works. And glorify who? Your Father in Heaven. So, if you're doing a good work, how are they going to know to glorify your Father? If you just go out and build a house for a poor person, how are they going to know to glorify your Father? Instead of just thanking you. What will you say? You're doing it because Jesus told you to do it. So, so evangelism, and, uh, you might say, well, why am I emphasizing this? Because there's whole organizations that go out and do good works for the poor. And I've met some of these missionaries living in other countries who say they would never actually expect someone that they're serving to, to accept Jesus, or I would never talk to them about Jesus or the Bible. I'm just here to serve them. You know, I'm like... Yeah, because they kind of, they've like missed the point, you know, or they're doing it for another point. I don't know why they're doing it, <laughs> but there's a, Jesus said we're, we're to do good works and, and in doing the good works, our lifestyle demonstrates that we're doing it out of relationship with Jesus Christ and in relationship with the Father. We're talking about the Father, we're talking about Jesus Christ and we're doing good stuff and they, they see that they glorify the Father, that the glory goes to the Father from the works that we do. So it's not about hiding. It's, it's about the motive. It's about doing it in order to be seen. All right? That, that being seen is not the motive. And so that's an issue of your heart, isn't it? It's not actually being seen, but is, it the, is that your motive to be seen? And that's what we want to avoid. The proper motive that Jesus says is to get a reward from your Father who is in heaven. <clears throat> that's the proper motive. Or as Erdman's puts it, the spirit of sonship. And uh, um, so our motivation should be a deep awareness of our, of our personal relationship with God as a son and daughter. And that has to soak deep. It really is an, an issue of your identity. Uh, uh, that's what Jesus is getting to in these verses, that we, we do what we do because of who we are. All right? We are sons. We are daughters. And we're doing it to please the Father, uh, to be like our dad. Right? It's an expression of our relationship. And so that goes down deep. It's not just about the acts of righteousness. It's about the motive. Uh, and, and that motive is something pure and holy. And motive is our relationship as a son, our relationship as a daughter. Our acts display His nature. It's His righteousness. As I was talking about last week and the previous weeks, about the difference in righteousness, it's His righteousness that we're living out. It's not our own. It's His righteousness. And that is the proper uh, motive that we are to, to have. <clears throat> so, it goes on verse 2. Uh, uh, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. The word give to the needy in verse 2 is actually not in the original Greek. So why is it there in the English? <laughs> it's, it's actually in verse 4, but in the translation, it kind of helps to make sense. Because it is, it's legitimate to put them in there because it's building to what is said in verse 4. But it's a little 
a little awkward to say this uh, in English, but I think it's important because this is continuing in the thought in verse 1 that when you do works of righteousness, don't do it to be seen. And then it goes on um, uh, to say, so when you do, don't announce it with trumpets. They imply give it to the needy. Just kind of put it in your mind. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to verse 4. You'll understand what I mean by that. Um, the big point is that it applies to all of our acts of righteousness, not just to charitable deeds. Okay? Okay. So they're using charitable deeds because that is the first example Jesus calls upon. And then he talks about prayer. And then he talks about fasting. In actuality, this idea is don't blow a trumpet whenever you are a worship leader. Don't blow a trumpet just because you read through your Bible. You know, You don't have to hide it. It's okay to post that you read your Bible today on Facebook. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't like I'm not earning points for doing that. Does that make sense? Because I do that. Usually. <laughs> okay. So what it says is do righteousness not to be seen, but for a reward from your father. That's what it says in the original. Do righteousness not to be seen, but for a reward from your father in heaven. Verse two continues. So when you do, don't announce it. I actually like this way that it could be translated. Certainly do. But not like the hypocrites. So the idea is do it. Do what? The acts of righteousness that Jesus said. When you acts of righteousness, don't do it to be seen, but uh, do it to receive a reward from your Father. Certainly do them. Okay? <clears throat> That's what he's going to Certainly do. We're supposed to be doing this. So then this verse goes on to give a negative example of, that we're to avoid. And the word hypocrite actually is the word, the same word for actor. It's just someone who's acting a part. It's someone who's playing a performance. And, um, and that's not supposed to be our motivation. If that's our motivation, then Jesus says, then that's all you'll get. You'll get some applaud. Somebody will think you're, you're cool. And it, it just doesn't, doesn't really build up to anything eternal. Whatever is done simply to gain honor or praise from others will give you nothing else from God. And so <clears throat> I'm trying to think of how can we apply this in our day. And I think it's a little tricky because... Really, uh, Christianity has kind of done away with this idea. I, I don't see it a lot. I mean, um, Jesus had a real clear picture of, of Pharisees really being pompous and announcing when they are giving offerings or giving alms to the poor or doing some act of service and making a big deal. And, and, and Christianity is really... Uh, you know, I think, again, the error is we, we try to hide it and not tell people we're doing it because of, for Jesus. Now, you can find exceptions to that. You know, you can think of some TV evangelists or some ministry that is all about money and uh, are just, just parading good works. Um, but I want to know how can we apply this as individually, individuals? How can you apply this? How can I apply this verse in our lives? So uh, what I apply from this is that we must question our motives and ensure that we are doing all that we do, whether it's religious or secular. Whatever you do, question, why am I doing this? Making sure that it's coming from a place of sonship, coming out of your identity as a son and daughter and not out of orphan thinking. An orphan thinking is someone who doesn't have relationship with their with their father 
or the mother, and they're trying to, they're seeking an identity. They're trying to prove their identity rather than living out of an identity that you're, that you can rest in. Does that make sense? Okay, and so we need to make sure that the motive behind whatever we do, we're not to stop doing things. We're to continue doing charitable deeds. We're to continue to do all these things. But we're to, we're to make sure that our motives are in, in line with the character that Christ calls us to. All right? Uh, this, call, this demands that we allow the Holy Spirit to penetrate deep within us. Why do we act the way we do? Why? Why am I doing this? And you know what? I tell you, I, I do this all the time. And I've, I've actually am learning to do it more. I'm like, why, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? You know, if you ask yourself that, why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Or why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling frustrated right now? I'm not frustrated right now. That was an example. <laughs> I was camping. I was frustrated when I was camping. <laughs> or why do I feel a little on edge right now? Why is this? Or why am I, what's my motivation? And uh, this actually, I learned this little line. Uh, I learned from reading a business magazine. It was about uh, developing an online identity for a business. But it struck me. It, says, why, it said, why are you going to post something on Facebook or Tumblr or Twitter? You know, what's your motivation? And their, their thing was, you know, is it going to help your business? Is it going to help your, your uh, purpose? But I was like, yeah, why do I actually want to post that? Um, is that something I, I want to do just to make people like me? You know, something that uh, I want people to think I'm cool? Is the motivation so people think I'm spiritual? Or maybe the motivation is so people don't think I'm too spiritual? You know, you got to balance it out. You know, if you're playing that game, it's like, wait a minute, that's not being real. You know, can it be innocent? Or is there hidden uh, selfish motive? And in one sense, you don't want to, you know, belly gaze and, and uh, you know, overanalyze everything. But in order to live righteously, in order to live this righteousness that Jesus is calling us to, it's living in tune with your relationship with the Father so that everything you do happens naturally out of that. And so the motive of your acts, it needs to be questioned and you need to take time to allow the Holy Spirit to go deep. It says, when you give to the needy, <clears throat> verse 3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay, here um, it says, when, uh, verse 3, continue. when you do, uh, the words give to the needy, again, are implied. It actually just says, when you do, do not let your, right hand, or your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Because <clears throat> the word giving to the needy is actually in verse 4. If we get to it, <laughs> we will. Uh, again, applies to all of our righteousness. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. All right? So the idea behind that that Jesus is saying is that it just needs to be done out of instinct, out of habit. All right? it's, just, it's just instinctual. You know, don't make a big fuss about it. That means that the righteousness that Jesus has been talking about all the way up to this is so ingrained in part of your identity that you don't even have to think about doing charitable deeds 
praying and fasting. All of these things flow from who you are. They become habitual. That's what it means. Don't let your, uh, you know, you just do it without thinking because it's so much a part of you. We do righteousness not because we're supposed to or even because it's right, but because it's just how we behave as new creations. Now, initially, and in certain times, we have to learn, well, what is the right response? And we have to learn to put off our old behavior. talks about that in a lot of places in Scripture. And put on new behavior. So we need to learn right behavior. But that needs to flow. That right behavior, the motivation for it, and actually the knowledge of it flows from this relationship that we have with the Father through Jesus Christ. And so, so instead of just pursuing what's right and what's wrong, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pursuing relationship with the Father, pursuing relationship with the Lord Jesus to the point where we just do what we see Him doing because we're always looking at Him. We're always meditating on Him. Does that make sense? And then we know what to do. And then we don't even have to think about it. I mean, sometimes you have to stop back if it's a complex situation. But most things in life should be, well, this is what I do. Why? Well, that's because that's, that's what the Father would that's what Jesus. That's what Christians do. You know, well, why? Well, well, in the Bible it says this, and the Bible says this. You can go explain it all, but it all comes out of identity, not just ob- not just rules and regulation. All right? Doesn't mean we throw out the rules and regulation, right? A lot of people in the church today want to throw out rules and regulations, uh, and that's because they don't actually have the right identity. They haven't learned the identity. Kingdom righteousness expresses <clears throat> is the expression of our spiritual DNA. It's acting out of our godly heredity. It's what we've inherited from God. When we were born again, you know, when you were born, you had uh, DNA that determined so many things about you. color of your hair, your eyes, your skin, but also determines all kinds. The way you talk, the way you, uh, so many th- aspects are finding would come through uh, our DNA. And that's true spiritually too. When we're born again, we're adopted into this new family and we inherit a new way of living. <clears throat> so it's, uh, it occurs when our nature is renewed through faith. We become so in tune with the Father that we live uh, His righteousness. Verse 4 <clears throat> finally gets to the, the part where it does actually say giving. So that your giving may be in secret. Then the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here the word giving is actually used and it refers to charitable giving. It's most often translated alms. And the word alms is uh, giving to the poor specifically. But this Greek word actually means all forms of charitable giving. And so it applies to whether it be tithes, uh, 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 special offerings, alms, which is money designated to the poor, missions offering, if you donate to other charitable organizations like Red Cross or whatever you may have, um, uh, it it applies to all of those things. And almsgiving in Jewish culture, so the people that were hearing Jesus talk, this was not an option in, in the Jewish religion. It was a duty, okay? In Judaism, and by the first century A.D., uh, relief to the poor uh, based on almsgiving was really well organized. Jesus expected his disciples to give generously, just not conspicuously. All right? 
Jesus expected his followers to continue this tradition of generous almsgiving. He just didn't want to draw attention to it. He didn't want them drawing attention to it and making it a big deal because he's pointing out it's that the motivation is really what makes it right or wrong. But what we see here is a third time the word uh, reward is used in this passage. In four verses, three times the word reward is used. <clears throat> and so this is another little Bible study technique that if you see something repeated, repetition, that clues you in that God is trying to say something here. When you're reading through a section of Scripture, if the same idea or word is repeated a number of times, stop, look at it. God's talking about rewards. And Jesus is actually saying you need to live with the reward in mind. It's actually righteous to live with the reward in mind. Uh, the two previous times you used the word reward <clears throat> was in verse 1, you will have no reward. And in verse 2, given the negative examples, uh, they have received the reward already. And those were actually a different Greek word. If you look up in the dictionary in a, in a, a strong concordance, you can see that they're different actual words. They mean the same basic thing. But they, they meant payment or wages, something earned. All right. They're going to get what they earn. But this, Jesus, I think, used a different word kind of to give it a bit of an emphasis. And it has a little bit of different meaning. It means, it means to deliver, recompense, give back, or restore. And so one sense you could think of it this way. When your motive is right and your actions flow out of kingdom righteousness, God will deliver. All right? You're not going to get just what you earned. You're not going to get just, you know, uh, your wages. You're going to get a delivery from God. How many want a delivery from God? All right? And that's just what you've earned. And that's the idea. It's going to be bigger. And that you're going to get it from uh, the Father. <clears throat> uh, and you can have confidence that He's going to do it. Uh, giving becomes an expression of our godly heritage. And here we have Jesus. Listen. Jesus Christ, the good teacher, is talking about money. He's talking about good giving. All right? Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about money. And he's actually talking about giving with the reward in mind. And that that's not wrong. That's actually the right way to do it. That we are to give, not worrying about what we're going to get in return on a human level, but what we're going to get from our Father. All right? That we are to give. So our, our charitable giving needs to be done in a way that we can get our reward from, uh, from heaven, our heavenly reward. <clears throat> and because it's, we give because we inherited that trait from our Father. Because He's generous. We're generous. Why do you give? Because God's so generous. I want to be like my Father. It's interesting that with your Father, in verse 1, it says, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, I should have put the verse in here. Uh, I'm going over. Yeah, but you don't see all the people yawning. <coughs> okay, verse 1 of chapter 8 says, uh, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father. Well, the word from your Father in heaven is actually more literally translated with your Father or beside your Father. Okay, so think of this. Uh, 
if you do it right, there's a reward beside your Father or with your Father in heaven. Okay, so think of it this way. You have a spiritual daddy. You have a papa in heaven. And when you do things right, he's got a gift for you that he wants to give you. He picked this out just for you because he, know he knows it's going to bless your socks. Now, it may not be material. It certainly may not be financial. It may be. It may be emotional. It may be spiritual. It may be a gift, a spiritual gift or uh, uh, some opportunity. Who knows what it is? I don't know what it is. It's unique to you. And Jesus is saying that when you give out of the right motive, and He's talking about giving money, God's got a gift, and it's with your Father. And so I believe <clears throat> this speaks of... Uh, uh, then it goes on, it says, Your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. There's an, there's an intimacy here yeah. that the Father knows, and it's with your Father. Uh, there's an intimacy both in, uh, that He sees what you do in secret, but He also has this reward that's with Him. All right? And if you've ever, if you ever you know, even if you're not a dad, if you're in a relationship and you've ever bought a gift that you want to give someone you love, but it's a secret, and you're waiting for the right time to give it to them, well, that's how God feels. And He's waiting for you to do things with the right motive and to do the right things so He can give you this gift. Are you hearing? Because God loves you! He wants to give this to you, and He wants to reward that behavior. Because he's a, he's, a, he's, he's a God who rewards. That's one of the things we're required to believe. In heaven doesn't mean after death. Right? When you die, you go to heaven until the resurrection. Okay? And so we will experience heaven. But when, you, when this term is used in the Sermon on the Mount, especially in most places, it's talking about in the heavenly places. In the heavenly realm, where God's glory is manifest and is, and is, and is uh, uh, where there's a revelation of His glory and His power and His, his uh, dominion, right? So it's that the treasure isn't like you have to die to get there. It's in heaven. It's in the heavenly places. All right? Our reward is not something. Just enjoy the reward. I said that. <clears throat> Moving on. So that means our reward. Listen, your reward affects you. Now, now it will affect you in the future. Okay, because it talks about that in other places in Scripture very clearly. Your behaviors now will affect your eternal destiny in many ways. Even if you're saved, there's different rewards for those who, who, who live differently. And there's a different books that talk about that. But what this is saying is that it, it will affect us in the resurrection, in, in afterlife. But what Jesus is mainly talking about is right now, in your relationship with the Father and in your access to the heavenly realm, you have gifts waiting to be given to you based on your motives and your actions. Dealing with the area of finances and giving, with prayer and fasting. Jesus just picked three, but it really applies to all acts of righteousness. Does that make sense? Okay. So our actions, motives, uh, and intimacy with the Father influences the measure of heaven we experience here and now. How many want heaven on earth? It's a popular thing. A lot of people are saying that now. Heaven on earth means that God's glory and power, His intimate presence is made, uh, uh, is manifest. It's, it's something to be seen and felt and heard uh, right here in the presence. And so we, we want healings. We want 
uh, deliverances. We want people getting saved, but that also means that we need to have the right motives for giving and for uh, uh, praying. Does that make sense? We need to have the right motives. And, that, and Jesus is actually teaching us how to tap into more of heaven. And how to do that is to have the right motive. The, uh, the level of our awareness of our Father's presence and power in our lives, according to these verses, is directly affected by our acts of righteousness and our charitable giving. Um, Jesus instructs us to act with heavenly reward in mind. That's kingdom living, and I am done.